Welcome to the Sydney Film Festival Talks podcast series, Keeping It Real. This series showcases several of the filmmaker talks that were held throughout the Sydney Film Festival in June 2022. In this episode, the filmmakers of Nude Tuesday gather to talk about their incredibly unique project. The talk is in English, but the film was in gibberish. And I promise you, everyone was fully clothed. Please enjoy. We're waiting for Jermaine, but he's going to be here, so star of the show is not far away. But uh, Check one, too. I'm also in the show. Too. The other, um, our other guests, director, Aman Ballantyne, of course. Hello. Jackie Ben Beat, screenwriter and star, playing Laura. Yeah. Damon Harriman, who plays Bruno so beautifully as well. It's a terrific film. It went down a treat last night. Uh, it threw up a million questions, some of which we're going to be able to get here, and I'm sure you've got your own there as well. But firstly, Vicky, you better tell us the story about how you came to get the idea for this film and then the amazing dramatic turns that you decided to then do it in gibberish and then, I don't know whether it was planned at the start, then have the climax and a whole batch of second half of the film nude. Was that planned <laughs> early as well? Oh, the nudity, yes. Now, my main thing I'm worried about is I didn't want to attach the lapel mic to my knitwear in case it pulls. Okay. So I'm going <laughs> so to hold this just here. What was the question? For an hour. Uh, tell, us, <laughs> tell us about this, this. Get the idea for the film and then yes, developing it. No, of course. So, and I can feel Jermaine is coming. I can, feel, I can always feel the vibration of him. I feel like it's imminent. He often likes to make an entrance. That's not him. Um, so, yeah, so Aman and I were very excited about making a movie together. And so we started jamming a few um, different story ideas and then, you know, kind of started focusing on this, this idea for Nude Tuesday about a very kind of suburban, repressed couple who, who are in a flailing marriage, both in crisis. And then they get offered a chance to go to a new age retreat as a kind of last ditch attempt to save their marriage. And so we were developing that story for about a year and we're still kind of looking for a unique point of difference because you know there, there are so many brilliant films made of, around that kind of territory and then one morning early, very, very early morning actually wasn't it I had this idea about because we were dealing with themes of miscommunication and whatnot I had an idea about what if everybody in the film speaks gibberish and nobody can understand anybody and then once we've completed the film we'll send it out to like you know some some comedians all around the world so they can subtitle the film and and interpret it through their own lens. So that's what we did. So I spent four years writing the film in English, knowing that my brilliant dialogue would never be heard or seen by anybody, um, which was fine, always the plan. And then once we, um, you know, we shot the film, yeah, and then after we'd picture locked and done all the, you know, done everything, we sent it to Julia Davis, a hero of mine, a UK comedian, and she said, yeah, she'd love to do it. And so then she wrote the most bizarre set of subtitles. <laughs> and we also have another version of the film sitting in our back pocket, written by two brilliant Australian comedians, Celia Pacola and Ronnie Ching. And they have written a set of subtitles, which is, t which are totally different with a different ending. <laughs> so it's been fun. How much did Julia's version differ from your version? <laughs> from my version? Well, all of the dialogue is a lot more sexual. <laughs> I mean, it is. Every, I mean, there's every single every single joke. I mean, she's such an amazing comedian. She's so kind of dark and dark and edgy. But also, she did some very surprising things. Like I play a character called Laura, 
And she added a backstory where I had betrayed my beautiful husband, uh, on-screen husband played by Damon, uh, who plays Bruno. And she added a backstory where it had this um, Christmas anal fling with my boss. So, so I was like, I did not perform that character as an adulterer. But she completely, yes, but it made total sense. <laughs> when you saw her version, her subtitles, did you think, well, some of my jokes were funnier? Did you feel protective of the material? Well, no, no. I mean, I did write some cracker jokes, I must say. <laughs> Spent four years on those jokes. Um, but no, 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 no. I mean, the whole idea was always to hand over to different people. I mean, our vision is that there'll be a hundred versions one day if, if someone has money to pay for it. But no, and, but handing over to someone who was my idol, like Julia Davis, I was like, she can do whatever she wants. I, we, you know, Amanda and I, you know, talked extensively with her and, and um, she was like, any guidelines, anything? But we didn't send her a script or anything we just sent her the finished film with no subtitles and said do whatever you want <laughs> so you know I, I was like just I mean I love her the nudity was always intended nudity yes it's called nude Tuesday we thought it would be very disappointing if uh, <laughs> we all stayed clothed but it's only on the Tuesday so don't be afraid to go and see the film if you haven't seen it it's just on the Tuesday that we're all nude <laughs> six days of clothed Amand, tell us what it was like this for a director to take on something this is challenging. Well, I, it, it was playful rather than challenging, I think, you know. I mean, I guess it had its challenges, you know, to be fair. But, but when Jackie told me the idea, I was like, oh, my God, this is genius. You know, like it's so brilliant. And, and immediately it opened this kind of Pandora's box of like possibility, absurd possibilities, you know. Oh, we could have gibberish songs and we create this world where, you know, you know, Zopflan, where, where, you know, it's another country and, and how will we do it? And it, it was clear that it was going to become very fun for the actors and the crew and then hopefully the audience. And it also sort of was anchored in the theme. So it just, it just felt so right, you know. How did you keep the actors on track, delivering gibberish and making them believe they're all in the same film? Well, we knew we didn't want it to sound like the sort of Swedish chef, at, you know, and we knew we didn't want to create a exact... Hello. <laughs> Hi, Jermaine. <laughs> he always loves making an entrance. <laughs> we stop talking about him now that he's arrived. <laughs> there was one problem. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're talking about the gibberish. Uh, so, yeah, we made it. We worked with this great dialect coach, Perry Percy, and together we, we created an umbrella of sounds, which we, we, we picked a lot of Scandinavian sounds to, to work with and then all the actors got to know those sounds through listening to Icelandic radio and kind of you know and then we had these words that we had in common that we threaded through like Tula for thank you or Heya or Kalfuk you know like so Kalfuk yeah Kalfuk Kalfuk yeah so these were the things that we used to help it feel real and then but then within that the actors were very free to improvise and add their own sounds Damon had some great sounds that he loved to throw in. Quite <laughs> hard to do. Uh, Damon, did you have to study IKEA catalogues? <laughs> no, no, no IKEA. Cool. No IKEA catalogues. Uh, but yeah, just listening to I guess Icelandic radio and 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 some other recordings that the dialect coach gave us some little uh, tapes of. Yeah, I mean it was it was. 
we also had, you know, we had rehearsals in New Zealand before we started filming. So there was an opportunity to all try and come up with something that sounded like we were from the same place vaguely. Or we also figured that, you know, there are different dialects in this place. And, you know, some people are from the east, some from the west. And I think by, yeah, you know, in rehearsals, we were rehearsing every scene always in English to start with. And we were doing quite a lot of English rehearsals, I think, in the early rehearsals before we started shooting. So it, we, I think that was a really good idea because we didn't go straight into going, okay, now we're doing a scene and we're just going, what is it? Like, like no. you know, it, it, I think that would have lost a bit of the, what was actually going on in the scene. And, and, and so once you'd, once you'd rehearsed it in English and, and were very familiar with what was happening and kind of got this idea in your head of, of how this thing was going to sound, it actually, the acting part of it was actually, I really liked it. Like it was sort of easier to communicate than with words because you know, you might think, oh, is that hard to do it in gibberish? No, it's kind of easier because firstly, you're not using, you know, the 50% of your brain that's going, what's my next line? Um, cause you don't have to remember lines. You have to sort of know, I'm saying this thing here, then I'm saying this thing here, but you're not remembering the words in order. So you've got this kind of very free brain space to just be going, okay, I need to communicate to this person this thing. And then when they start talking, you're going, okay, I, I need to receive this thing they're sending me. And it, it actually, um, yeah, it was very freeing. So the gibberish you used on take one when it was take two was different gibberish? Completely yeah. different. I mean, there would be no two syllables that were the it'd be same. Very, it would be very difficult to try and replicate it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Every time. We had to do a little bit of ADR and it was like, oh, that's tricky, which is that, we, you know, uh, if the sound isn't quite working and, and, you, and in post you have to, you know, match the, the mouth and try and uh, redo the sound. And that Normally was, that's that was, words, you know. Yeah. Normally that's Normally a sentence like, and you're just yeah. replacing that sentence with the same sentence. <laughs> when, <laughs> you know, when you have to replace, <laughs> like, what, how am how I going to redo that? I don't even know how I did it the first time. It was hard. <laughs> you that you arrived on set a little bit later or rehearsals later. Yeah, you can see that's my style. <laughs> what was it like to arrive and see people doing this already? Did you think, what the hell's going on? Uh, yeah, it was a crazy uh, thing to come late to. And um, I was worried I wasn't going to be able to do it because it takes a, it took me about a, a, probably a day and a half before I felt like I was naturally doing it without thinking. And then, it, yeah, there was a little bit of panic. Like, what if I, what if I'm the only one who can't do this? <laughs> But yeah, you practice it enough and I feel like I could do it at any time now. When you pitch your performance, you can't, there's, there's slapstick elements to it. Uh, there's obviously a relationship drama at the center of it. How, uh, but you can't really play it for big laughs. How did, how did you work out the way to play? Yeah, and usually the big laughs are the lines, you know, that's, and that, but we don't have that power. So you just play the emotion. Tell us a bit about, um, I think you were saying, Amand, that the version we're going to see on stand, or tell us about the versions we're going to see on stand. Yeah, so, so Julia Davis' version, which played here last night and is playing tonight and next week, is also is going to be on stand in a couple of weeks, if, if I'm correct. And there's also going to be the Ronnie Ching and Celia Piccolo version, which is totally different, different ending. So that's going to be there. And then as I am pretty sure there's also going to be a, a, a version without subtitles on stand. So if you want to, you, you know, you can watch it without the subtitles and then, or watch scenes without the subtitles and then watch it, you know, so it, it should be, I guess the idea is that it can open choice. People who choose that are just going to wonder what has happened to their TV. <laughs> I, I was talking to a couple, a couple at the party at that bar last night and they got pretty excited about 
getting their own microphones and getting on the getting on a bit of the old spliff <laughs> and then just live dubbing it together. <laughs> and I was like, go for it. I love that. <laughs> did, did I just excitement seeing Celia and Ronnie's? Did, did they do any of the same jokes ever, like, or even the same territory of jokes? In subtitles? Not really. Wow. No. I mean, so the picture is the same. So it's the same shape of the story, but the content is the, the lines are all different. Yeah. Did they do, did they write for male or female character? Because they're not, I don't think, I can't remember them working together before. Are they, how did they sort of combine to get a story out of it? They wrote separately. And then I think it was Aman and I combined their scripts. Okay. Yeah. Tell us about casting it then. Once you've got this, you know, wild sort of script, how do you work out who's going to play who? I think you, I think you mentioned, Jackie, that you met Damon at the Sydney Film Festival. Yeah. First of all, I cast myself. Yes. I said, Aman, you can direct this, but you have to cast me. <laughs> you didn't direct it. So, yeah, that's right. So, yeah. So. And, then, and, then, and then I just encouraged, kept encouraging Jackie to write things for herself to do that would be really, really challenging and really, really tricky. <laughs> but you keep, yeah, make it more difficult for yourself. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And then Jackie and I were, because it was an Australian-New Zealand co-production, there was a lot of encouragement to have an Australian actor for your husband, and we were really open to that. And so we started looking at actors, and we were, we were like, who's this guy, Damon Harriman? He's so talented. Because well, I met him, like you say, I met him at four years ago, hey, after, because um, I had a film, The Breaker Upper is that screened at the Sydney Film Festival, and I met Damon at the after party of that, and we got on great. And I did confess to Damon. And that I had been stalking him on YouTube and watching all of his yeah. videos before that, which I was loving. And and we, we got on like a house on fire, eh? And then it blew my mind because I was completely fanboying over Jackie. If you haven't seen The Breaker Uppers, you got to see it. Jackie's amazing. Uh, the script's amazing. The film's amazing. Jackie's hilarious. I was just like, who is this woman that is like the funniest? How, how this person needs to be world famous. I, I, and I, I met her and I was just like a fan. I was just like, I can't believe you're who are, how you're amazing. And I did that daggy actor thing of going, oh, I'd love to work with you one day, having absolutely no idea that this was even in the pipeline. And I don't really know how it went from there. I think you've got to admit, and I hope this isn't embarrassing for you, but I think you've got to admit that you, we had that great conversation, then you went away and then you ducked back and gave me your card. Oh, yeah. And you said, I'm so embarrassed. I've never done, I've only done this once before. And that was the clincher for me. I was like, I love this guy. I love that he's, I'm the second person only ever that he's given me his card. Yeah. And I I said to Aman, oh, we've got a custom. (laughs) He's so great. Prince of the card. He printed the card. What more can we ask for? We don't need him to audition. Was the first first person, was that Jermaine? The first uh, first person that he gave his card to, yeah. Gave his card to Jermaine. Jermaine threw it over his shoulder. And he gave me, I was like, you're in. I better check with the director there. Uh, so tell us about the rest of the casting process. Well, Jackie and Jermaine have known each other for like for a long... Yeah, the first time I met Jackie, I think you called me up and said, I'm starting a writer's group and I brought my friend and uh, my friend and I turned up this writer's, writer's group and we're like, these girls starting this writer's group are only 18. We're 19. <laughs> <laughs> we're adults. It was Jermaine and Brett McKenzie. Brett McKenzie was my neighbour. And he, did he bring you along or did you bring him along? You brought him along. I brought along. him along, yeah. And I didn't know he was my neighbor and you said oh this is your neighbor jackie this is brett and yeah then and it was Andrew. you and lauren taylor and uh that was your writer's group and then you'd invited <laughs> us along and in the past year i've um acted in movies written by both jackie and lauren yeah truly and then i work for you a lot on all your shows yeah. <laughs> yeah. as a director yeah. it's so great one of the longest scenes in gibberish is your poem <laughs> how did you come up with a poem like that 
well, a couple of times in another in an earlier scene we did, I said two lines that rhymed, just probably because it's easy. <laughs> and Perry Percy, our dialect coach, said that sounded like a poem. Sounded like you could do a poem, and I didn't get another chance to do it. But then we're on the river. I, w- I just started saying this poem and was really amusing myself with how difficult it was going to be for the person <laughs> writing the subtitles to have to write a poem. And it went on for a long time when we did it. It was a very, very long improvised poem. And yeah. Julia and Ronnie and Celia found it really difficult to subtitle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm so glad. <laughs> difficult to deliver because you are otherwise occupied while saying this poem. Oh, yeah, no, well, that's, that's no problem. <laughs> if you're an artist. Yeah. I mean, I could never really improvise a whole poem in English. I bet you could. Bjorn could do it. It's fascinating the way, the, the impact it had on people. I love that comment that somebody in the balcony said on the microphone, described it as a work of unhinged brilliance. Was that what it was? Unhinged brilliance? Is that- yeah, it was a great, it was a great. Yeah. yeah, it was unhinged something, wasn't it? Something positive. Delight. That's right. Delight. Unhinged yeah. delight. Yeah, that's right. Delight. So I guess that's uh, you know I can see that being on the poster of the film. Yeah, I'll do all of that for dessert. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now tell us about the actual mechanics of going up there on a mountain and filming those nude scenes. That I mean, it's hard. I'm sure to be on you seat anyway, but very hard in those cold conditions. How do you actually get people to do it and not not freeze? Yeah. Well, we rehearsed it twice, clothed on the ground in the camp and, you know, while we were filming other stuff and we had these two rehearsal sessions just to work through all the mechanics of, like, the helicopters coming up. Like, we'd reenact the whole thing and we had our first AD doing, okay, the first helicopter's arrived. You get out of the helicopter. Where do you walk? Where is your cloak? Where do you th- – we'd all just, like, have dr- we just drilled it. It's a military operation. <laughs> yeah, and so when it came to the actual day, it all went actually very – Smoothly, there was a, there was a, there was one you know because we'd had planned it so so much and it was such a challenge with you know for all our, our amazing brave actors and and we were up there and then I remember the safety chap came and we hadn't even started shooting the dialogue and he said uh, there's a, an unexpected turn in the weather and there's like a squall coming in and we're probably going to have to get you off the mountain in about half an hour and I was like oh shit we had a quick <laughs> panic together eh we were like half an hour. And we were like, okay, we're just going to go for it, you know. And and I was like, okay, if we, if we need, you know, obviously safety's first, we'll just start, you know, hiking people off the mountain, but can you give us as long as we can? <laughs> and, then, and then we just... We just shot um, really, really um, swiftly, but carefully, still trying to get everything. And we were still filming, like that whole final scene with um, Jackie and Damon, we were filming as people were being like flown off the mountain. <laughs> I think, yeah, I don't know if you guys have seen the film, but there's this long walk at the end of the film that Damon and I do, holding hands, nude, very beautiful, walking off into the distance. In reality, we had chopper sounds. We were like, getting in the chopper, get it, we got to get it. And then I had my radio mic all taped down my back that we had to remove and post. So it was just like, we just had to shoot. And it was like, and that's right. And we remember we, we jumped out of view. We dipped out of view. And then we realized we're out of view of the camera. So then I remember you pulling me through the snow and I was kind of falling along. So we knew that we'd be, we were back in the shot and like we were running and screaming. And then it was like, okay, slow down. So then we carried on walking. It was just like, because we knew we only had one take. We had, yes, one take. And then of course, Jermaine, you know, had the, most challenging job of going into the, and it was an icy, an icy lake. And I was just feeling very guilty standing there in my big puffer jacket. And, oh, yeah. uh, but, <laughs> and, and he generously, I remember you coming out from the second take and going, would you like another one? Oh, <laughs> I was like, 
Oh, it would have been unwise. Yeah. Did we only did there was only once? There, no, we did it twice yeah. because of different, so we can get the different angles to, to allow us to to cut it. At, you know, so generous, and then. I think it was mild hypothermia that we that, that, that ended up. If we'd done it another time, I think it may mild. like, you know. Emphasis on mild. Yeah. <laughs> no stunt yeah. double? No stunt double, no. 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 Done totally. And you were the only one in the water? You didn't actually say, well, you know, wouldn't it work for everybody to get in the water? Uh, well, yeah, before I got into the water, it was always Bjorg going into the water by himself and, and everyone sort of rebels on on his leadership there uh, in, in the script in English. And I, um, Jackie and Aman wanted me to be very angry and I said, this is going to be really easy. <laughs> and it's a very convincing performance. Yeah, yeah. Beautiful. Thanks. How hard is it to do a nude scene, Jermaine? Uh, well, you get used to the nudity. It's, um, I think, for the men, it's hard that it, you know it's it's gonna, you you're all going to be nude, and it's also the coldest you'll ever be. So it's, it's quite a tough thing to do. <laughs> it was a bit of chat about that. Um, we had a lot of we had an intimacy coordinator, which was very helpful in terms of his, in rehearsals for, and she she made herself available to talk to everyone individually if they wanted to about the nudity, and so that was great. Um, and I think there was some chat with her about shrinkage from a number of the male <laughs> actors leading up to that shoot. Uh, Damon, what was that like for you? Uh, you know, you've done a whole range of performances from sort of Charles Manson a couple of times to a whole kind of variety of Australian films. This is something very different, but, uh, you know, is it unusual for you to do a new scene? Oh, very, yeah. I don't think I'd ever done a, a, a new scene. Um, but, you know, there was no – I don't think there was anything Jackie and Aman could have asked that I wouldn't have done on this because I was so excited by the whole thing. From the moment I heard about it, I just thought the idea was so wacky and unlike anything I'd ever heard of and I just did not want to miss this for the world. So the, the nude part was like – Okay, that's going to be, in, yeah, okay. And then, of course, when you get to that day, you're like, oh, God, what did I agree to do? I'm going to get nude today in front of all these people. Like, that is so weird. And then, and it is weird, like, initially is weird, you know. Um, the fir- And my first nude day was, you can't even tell I'm nude actually in that scene in the film, but it, 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 when I run up to the, if you've seen it, I run up to the, to the, to the coach to say, where has everyone gone? And I'm told they've gone up the mountain. And so I think I was sitting in a car completely naked and the, the cameras were over by the, the bus and there were, you know, 20 people there staring towards the car. And I'm, you know, 20 meters away in this car. I'm like, okay, you can take your clothes off now. So I'm in this car, just taking my clothes off. I'm sitting there on a, on a dressing gown thing. It's going, okay, well, I'm naked get in this car and I'm about to open the door and just run towards all these people I just met a few weeks ago, completely naked. And yeah, that was pretty weird the first time. And then the second time it's a little less. And then, yeah. And then it just becomes about how freaking freezing it is. It's so cold in this part of New Zealand and you've got no clothes on and the concern for being nude and what that looks like and whatever, it just, not even on your mind. It's just, I can't wait to get a jacket on. It's so cold. That was very uh, funny. The coach driver was just like a thousand other coach drivers sitting there having a smoke. Yeah. You know, could have been anybody. Yes. Been yeah. Any party of anything. He was just untroubled by the whole thing. That was, that was yeah. nice. We found him on, we were uh, scouting for locations uh, and uh, driving around with the DOP and first AD and asked him directions. And I was like, 
do you have an LT license? <laughs> Would you like, do you want to audition for this, this movie that we're doing? And he was like, oh, yeah. His name was BJ. And so I took a snap and I sent it to Jackie and I was like, what do you reckon? She was like, great. And we basically cast him and he, of course, never done anything and he didn't have a cell phone. So we did, he'd just meet at the pub that we were saying it and just wow. get his call time and like find out what, you know. He didn't even know what day he was shooting. So he'd just kind of turn up in the mornings and see if he was needed for his scene. It was bizarre. Yeah. He, he, he called the festival this morning. He wanted to be on the panel here. He, <laughs> he thought this was a, the, the making of his career. Yeah, he was, yeah. He says a bit of gibberish, doesn't he? He says, hey, yeah. He says, hey, yeah. Hey, yeah. All right. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, Which was challenging enough, I think. <laughs> I love the fact that the uh, street signs in the back and the shop signs uh, are in gibberish as well. Is that something added later or was that done on set? Mainly on set, but we did do a little post kind of like – there was definitely like we were all kind of looking like, you know, English, got to go. So we, you know, bean scene was a nightmare for the production department, <laughs> production design department. They were, you know, printing the labels of the – there's a supermarket scene for people that haven't seen it, which yes. there are like hundreds and hundreds of yeah. cans of felt. So and then we were beans. just, you know, that was a big, that was the supermarket was the hardest, you know, because there's like labels everywhere. <laughs> okay. So you shot in Auckland. Is that where it was? <laughs> yes, we did that in Auckland. And where was the mountains? In Makarora, which is like, so a couple of hours out of Queenstown, yeah, an hour from Wanaka. Great. Well, an ingenious film. I'm sure people in the audience have got some questions. So if you just want to, I think everybody's close enough, if you want to call out your question. Uh, yeah. And so you guys, directors, writers, actors, you know, like usually when you're on set, you feel like you have some kind of control of what the final product will end up being. But obviously, you guys had no idea what the uh, subtitles look like and that kind of thing. So was, was there any point that you guys felt kind of unsure about how it was going to work in the end? Or did that really just drive you to keep well, I think all of us, um, oh, I can certainly speak for myself, all of us love a little bit of, you know, uncertainty in our work and discovery. But like I said earlier, like Aman and I worked on the story for four years and, you know, we wrote like six drafts. And so we had a whole, we had everything structured. We had everything story beaded out. All of the character arcs were set. So we knew like it was very, very solid. It was just the dialogue that we would be replaced. And, and I, and we wrote, I, I wrote the story so you could tell the story without dialogue. That's why you can watch it without subtitles with your live dubbing in your lounge if you want. So, you, so we had something very solid to work within. And then that created such great freedom, you know, where we can just improvise the dialogue and the dialogue would be replaced. But we had our story already up on screen, if you know what I mean. It's something I talked to you about. I remember saying, what if the subtitler doesn't do a, as good a job as your script? Because I loved your script. Mm. And these guys promised that if that happens, then they'll use the script. Yes, that's right. I said it will it will be better. You know, we'll only we'll only take take something that's better than my script. If it just falls apart, then we'll just maybe put in my lines. Yeah, is that why you did two in case one didn't work? No, the grand vision is to have a hundred. Um, so two, we're only at the very beginning. We're only at the very, we're looking for financiers. We're looking for people that, you know, that know people with money. Um, no. Always your idea that he was to have the, the hope that it would be reinterpreted by different people in different ways, you know. Or just through different lenses. Like yeah. we got so excited at the beginning coming up with this idea of like we set this template and like I can only write through my own female New Zealand, you know, lens. And I thought 
It'd be so amazing, even just thinking about either gender or culturally, like having, I don't know, having people interpret this, yeah, through their own lens. Like Italians argue so much differently than repressed New Zealanders. You know, New Zealanders don't really say anything to each other and then just get drunk and storm off or, I don't know, or worse. Um, but I don't know. I was so excited to, I'm still so excited to see if it can continue to grow. And I, I mean, I love the idea that maybe one day it can just be handed over to you know, maybe a university students will will give set a task to just like subtitle Nude Tuesday or, some, or there might be a YouTube competition where you can just like subtitle a scene and win a trip to Pelé. Wow. <laughs> yeah, Zopflow, which doesn't exist. I don't know what would they do there. But, but um, so no, it wasn't. It wasn't because we thought one might be bad. It was trying to get this thing maybe happening. I wonder if people in Scandinavian countries will think they're being sent up when they see it. We did have a Finnish, a beautiful um, featured extra from Finland, and he said, this is so crazy because I understand so many of the weird words you guys are improvising. Some are German, some, uh, oh. you know, like from all different countries, but they're all in the wrong order, and it's so <laughs> weird. So, like, for us, it just sounds like nonsense. For him, he was picking up a lot more words from different countries. Right, those are the noises that we heard in films that we were repeating. Yeah, yeah. So hopefully the Criterion edition will have both sets of subtitles yeah. and your script as a booklet so we can enjoy the whole thing. Well, yes, maybe, but I'm hoping like a hundred. Yeah, that's right, because there'll be a hundred versions on the same platform yeah. and you can just watch the same scene but from different writers, right? Your favourite scene. It would, I know you've said that you don't ever want to release your version, but it would be kind of cool to have that as an option too because... It'll be very expensive. Yeah, It'll be very expensive yeah, to get right. Other than that, very expensive to get the rights to my words. <laughs> <laughs> because you know, with with our with the Jackie's version, we are you know, you could watch it and go, oh, they're actually that's actually what they think they're saying. You know, yeah. <laughs> they're it's true. Other it's true. Very expensive. <laughs> I just wanted to know, how did you go about uh, getting financing for this film? Yeah, uh, well, um, when Jackie and I were talking about the idea and doing it, we were so excited and we were like, is anyone going to let us make this? How are we going to convince people to let us make this? And then we were like, right, you know, what are we going to do? And, and, and then it wasn't weirdly as hard as I thought it could be because it is an unusual concept because I think people also were like, that's really different, you know, and, and they enjoyed that about it, you know, so their, their sort of minds kind of lit up of the, the, the point of difference. So, um, you know, we went to Emma Slade, who is our New Zealand producer first, and she came on board and the new, the film commission, which are our major, our sort of main stakeholders in the film. And then we wanted to make it a co-production. So Virginia, um, and, Whithole and Nick Batsius from Good Thing came on board and, and Screen Australia and it, so it actually was pretty smooth actually as soon as cast, cast was attached. And you guys made a short film right, The Three of You, yeah. was that a part of the proof of concept? That, that helped us get, uh, yeah, so we, we got some money from the Film Commission to test the idea essentially and we wanted to do that ourselves, that work out and that's where we our first opportunity to work with Damon. We came to Sydney. It's the first time you did the gibberish. <laughs> I remember um, vividly. Uh, Jackie had been experimenting it with, for quite a while, and we were like, "Okay, so we'll, get, we'll you know try it out." And then we rehearsed it in the English, and then we flipped into gibberish. And Jackie was doing this great job of like, "I was like, you you asked me to unpack a boot or of the car, and I was." Yeah, and I looked over, and 
Damon was like on the floor in hysterics. Like, totally. <laughs> Every time he's meant to come into the frame and say his first line, I was like, where is he? And I'll be like, you still barca brota saca Bruno. And I'd look over and he was like just on the concrete, like rocking and like tears streaming out of his face for like four, four takes. So we had to say, you know, we did, we shot that, we shot this proof of concept and that gave us all confidence, like, oh, yeah, this kind of way. And we did a couple of versions of the sitars, and that's what we showed Jermaine. And I think that helped you understand, like, oh, yeah. sort of see what they're on about here. Well, I, I understood the idea, but I didn't, under, I didn't know if it would be interesting to watch. Yeah. And, um, but watching that scene, it was, you know, dramatic and funny and, and was totally convinced by it. Yeah, and it was so I helpful. I believed it was a foreign film, you know, yeah, <laughs> like yeah. somehow – but it was so helpful to have that proof of concept. Like you say, Anaman made this incredible like mood reel and did a lot of kind of visual material because financiers and distributors and people were like, but what, what are you guys on about? What is this? You know, so we could show people, you know, like little bits yeah. and mood reels. It's kind of like we got our distribution and our, and our sales agent on board through all of that. Yeah, and it was uh, like maybe one or two scenes, right? It was, it was quite modest, you know, small budget. Yeah. And watching the film last night, Damon, the first time you'd seen it, how did it surprise you? Oh, I loved it. I mean, it was, I had no idea what I was going to be saying. It was such a weird, <laughs> you know, we, we, we played these scenes using Jackie's script and we obviously knew that we weren't ever going to be seeing those words subtitled, but it's so bizarre to watch something that you've filmed and, you know, you're normally just watching it and kind of watching it through your hands, cringing at what you did and filled with regret about certain parts of your performance. But this was just, I just was obsessed with what these subtitles were going to say because I didn't know what I was going to say or what anybody was going to say. And yeah, it was, I laughed a lot because it was just so unexpected. And some of the things we say are ridiculous. You know, like Jackie was saying, you know, the script that, that Julia Davis wrote is so sexual. I mean, if you read that, if that had been the script Jackie wrote, I'd have been like, Jackie's got an interesting taste. Like, she seems obsessed with sex. Like, <laughs> like, like, um, it's really funny, but it's, but it's, it's, it's particularly funny because it's not what we originally um, thought we probably, were. If it was like that, you wouldn't play it in such a um, oh, dedicated, serious way, it, probably. If it was in English, you wouldn't have necessarily have said those words. That, Can I just drop in the fact, and I, I am going to drop this piece of information because I'm so I'm so excited about it that this morning we woke up and my sister had texted me saying we got a five star review in the Guardian from last night and I was so excited and in that review I know I've never had a five star review so we're all very excited up here but in that review they talked about that exact thing they said the subtitles were so brilliant on top of the performances but. And it kind of, I can't remember, um, it was a bit hazy this morning, but, um, but it was, but they said something like it, that script wouldn't have landed if it was in English. Like it wouldn't have felt right, you know, but because you knew they were written after the fact and but our performances are so, like Jermaine was saying, so committed and dramatic and real. And then there's like all of these dick jokes on top. I mean, it's the, and like, and beautiful like backstory and, you know, like, and there's a real thrush through line that she's very <laughs> cleverly woven through. Very, very, very beautiful writer. You don't see enough. <laughs> um, but kind of the combination of those things, I think, may it so bizarre and special I don't yeah like I agreed with the review even though I don't quite even understand it myself it's like it gave it gave a license to do it in a way that you wouldn't have been able to because you're you've, it's a heightened 
Mm. world you know like the the, the 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 place is heightened it's a different it's a different country and, and then so you're just basically you everything is kind of like shifting there's not a everything is not as you expect to see it or hear it or layer it you know and I think mm. that that's what you know, hopefully we've managed to do with this. I have a question why did you choose this particular version of the film for the premiere well, um, that wasn't our choice, actually. That was up to the festival and our distributors. So I, we weren't part of that conversation. I, we were hoping that um, they would play both, you know, just to make the marketing really difficult. Um, you know, we, Aman and I were like constantly emailing going, what about we play both? And so people can choose which one to go to. But they didn't go with that, and I'm not sure why. I can imagine that marketing, it might be confusing or or maybe the the festival would have needed more slots. I'm not sure, but that was that was one of our dreams. But they will both be on stand. Obviously, you guys have been, like, this has been in the process for a number of years. And so I was just wondering, do you have any advice for writers, particularly females, that want to I'm sure everyone has a different answer for this. Um, for me, well, I mean, I always gravitate to trying to pioneer something or do something a little bit. I'm attracted to projects that are doing something different than what I've seen or something kind of quite high risk challenging. But, you know, like those projects that could be brilliant or could just be terrible, you know. So I woke up this morning thinking we could have a one-star review or maybe a five-star review, but it's not going to get a three-star review, you know. And so I gravitate to projects that aren't going to be three-star. So, but for me, if I come up with an idea like the gibberish idea, the first thing I do is I'll test the idea with people I really trust, my collaborators, you know, like, um, you know, in this instance, of course, I went straight to Aman. I was like, what do you think? Like, I've got a good feeling about this, but what do you think? And so then, and then really interrogate the idea and keep testing it. Like I tell my kids certain ideas I'm having and sometimes my kids are great. They'll say, that's terrible. It's been done. It's so kind of boring, mum, you know, and I'll be like, okay, I'll forget about that. Other times they're like, that's interesting. You know, you're a bit old to be writing that, but you could pull it off, you know, but they're so honest with me. And then I'll test it, test it, test it with the people that I trust. But but the people that I surround myself with are pretty courageous, you know, courageous people that aren't scared to do things that are different. But also, I work like extremely hard. Like I think we all do, everyone up here. Like, you know, and I am a perfectionist and I am a kind of control freak, even though I'll let writers write, rewrite my dialogue and stuff, you know, like, I, but I am someone who is very rigorous. So that would be my advice. Like be rigorous in terms of the work you put in, but also testing your ideas. And, and sometimes the ideas that I've had in the past, people have gone not great. And if enough people say that, I, I'll drop the idea once I figure out why. People don't think it's great, you know? Um, I think also at the moment in uh, the Australian Film Commission and New Zealand Film Commission are trying to create equity with how many female writers and directors there are compared to male because it's always been male-dominated. So it's a good time to try and get projects going if you're a woman, I think. Get your bold ideas in get, and get a good now. team around you. Get a good team around you of people that are fun but they work hard and they can support you in your idea and they're passionate. Like get that good energy going. Make sure your ideas has been tested rigorously and then, yeah, Try and get some money or just do it if you can or just do a proof of concept with no money and show people what you mean. If people are like, I don't get it or that's not going to work, then try and show people. 
Yeah, and, and when, um, you know, all those years ago when Jackie and I started working together, we did a really low-budget short film that we hope no one ever sees, and theatre shows that cost almost no money, and uh, it was about, we, we, learn, we learn a lot from doing that, because it's all about how to keep people engaged and how to keep a story going. I got many one-star reviews when I was doing my theatre back in my 20s. <laughs> and I'd learnt from all of those, you know. Yeah. I just kept doing them. I went from one-star to two-star to three-star, back to one-star, back to three, back to two. And I learnt from all of that stuff. And I always made Jermaine be in all of them. And he was like, no. I'd recommend <laughs> He'd be like, oh, no. And he'd set me these impossible tasks. Uh, he'd say, I'll only do it if you can get me an electric, what was it, an electric, electric wheelchair. Wheels, yeah, yeah, that's right. And, and I was like, got it. <laughs> I was like, okay. And then I scratched rambled around, got an electric wheelchair, and said, I've got one, and he was like, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> so he was the narrator on this mad university, like, That's right. show. Yeah, forgot about that. A five-star review now, top of the tree. Is it uh, time to give it up? Time to give it up. <laughs> time to go to Bali. <laughs> just go, let's go slowly back down to one again, <laughs> then we'll stop it. Do you mean that people, it's better for people to know <clears throat> that the subtitles, the actors don't know the subtitles I, I think before or not? We were talking about this last night. I personally think I'd be interested if people didn't know that and, and see what they were, or what they thought and then found out later. I did a few last night talking to friends. Um, some, some, what if you didn't know? They, they assumed that what we were saying in the subtitles is what we thought we were saying when we acted it and we were just doing a gibberish version of that subtitle. And interestingly, a couple of them, wish they'd known, said, oh, I wish I'd known because that would add another layer of comedy to know that you didn't know you were saying that. And a couple of others were like, no, I, I'm glad I didn't know because I wanted to believe you thought you were saying that so I could invest yeah. in you I'm saying in the, I'm that. in that camp. I want to yeah. believe it. But. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we've been debating that exact question for the last 18 hours. Um, even like at the bar last night, you know, the, the distributor weighed in on that because it was interesting. It was our first screening and we've been debating that. I mean, I'd be interested to hear from you guys even like, you know, like, cause I can see the pros and cons of both of like, I don't know, but maybe people will watch it and then maybe they'll just maybe word of mouth or they can Google a review and they can find out. Maybe it's one of those mystery kind of things that people are like, what? What the heck? What, what language is that? Yeah. I think maybe probably what it is, is is it's probably both. It's probably potentially funnier for people who know that when we're not aware of what we're saying because then the absurdity of the dirty stuff and whatever is like, oh, they didn't know they were going to say that thing about that. So it may be a bit funny in that version, but maybe there's more um, sort of pathos and more connection with the with the story if you don't know that because then you really believe that we're saying those things as opposed to just puppets who are saying anything. You know what I mean? I don't know. Happy for you guys to um, <laughs> weigh in on that. That it was a character. <laughs> so I guess if you didn't know, you might have been laughing at Borat. Whereas if you did know, you yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. The first, the first time I went to America and I did a press conference thing there, one of the journalists came up to me and said she thought that I, me, my real personality was a Sasha Baron Cohen New Zealand character. <laughs> and I really didn't know what to feel about that. Wow, that's your identity she's talking about. Uh, yeah. That's hilarious. I do love him. He's seen the film. Who's <laughs> Baron Cohen. Oh, yeah. I bet it's a style of thing he loved you love too, yeah. Yeah, he loved it. Yeah. 
Bold. And he's got a new, he's been working on something else. Can you tell us what that is? I've never met him, but I just heard that he saw it and he loved it. And I, I, that, I that's this, I just repeat that all the time. <laughs> Have I mentioned the five star review? Be I mentioned the five star review, eh? And that Sasha Baron Cohen loved the film. I've never met him. I'd love to meet him. I mean, Jermaine obviously knows him intimately being his. I'm a character of his, yeah. <laughs> a very good character, though. <laughs> also, we have, um, just, we have my husband. See, I have my on screen husband here, but I have my real husband sitting there who's also in the film, nude. Uh, very nude, probably the, the most nude, I'd say, of all of us, called Alexander. It's the, it's the most nude you've seen him, you said. It's the most nude. I've, we, I mean, we, I've never seen him nude, apart from in the film. I don't know how we had three That's children. why you got this project going. <laughs> yeah, finally. Take your clothes off. Uh, it's been a joy to have the film in the festival. It's been a joy to hear from you all today, and congratulations on what you pulled off. It's a, it's a really inventive, it, it is an unhinged delight. <laughs> So thank you very much. Thanks for coming along, everybody. And please be good.